for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Uh, blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Yes. <laughs> it's here that I must be. My heart entreats, just hear those savage beats, and go put on your cleats, and come and trample me. Welcome everybody to this week's edition of the ASLAP podcast where it's advice, sex, love with understanding and trust involved as well. Today we're talking to one of my favourite people on the planet and I say this every time I talk about it to anybody else, she is truly one of my favourite people on the planet. She's polyamorous, kinky um, and activist again, our second activist on the show. Um, but she's had a very interesting upbringing. She's got a great story to tell. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to to getting this out there and having people comment on it, tell me what they think about it, and really just enjoy the chat that myself and Becky had. Now, still working through uh, all of the podcasts that obviously I've been trying to trying to smash out and get ready to to get get some real good guests that I would like to have on. There's nothing on what I've had so far. I've had really, really amazing people on, but I do have big aspirations for it. There are a few people that I would love to have on that are already um, big stars, I guess for lack of a better term. Also, some people that have you know, being sex educators as well, which would be fantastic. Uh, some people from some other podcasts, all that sort of thing. So I've been trying to push through and do that. Uh, of course, in addition to my regular job, which you guys know about as well. Um, it's been it's been a long way. It's been a long way. But in saying that, um, like I said, really looking forward to introducing this guest. Everybody, a big welcome to Becky Richardson. Giggle at a funeral Knows everybody's disapproval I should've worshipped her sooner If the heavens ever did speak She's the last true mouthpiece Every Sunday's getting more bleak Fresh poison each week We were born sick You heard them say it My church offers no absolutes She tells me worship in the bedroom sent to is when I'm alone with you. I was born sick, but I love it. Command me to be well. Amen. 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 Take me to church. I worship like a dog at the shrine of your life. So a very big welcome to Becky. Uh, why don't you tell us a wee bit about yourself to get this started off? 
Um, I'm Becky. I'm an almost 30 year old professional that um, yeah lives in Hornby with a partner. I have two partners that I've been long term. By long term, I mean over a year. And I organise or help organise um, some of the poly meetups and polyamory meetups in Christchurch. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, now we've known each other a fair while now, haven't we? Uh, several years, yes. Three, two, three, four years? Like, somewhere around there. Somewhere around there, anyway. <laughs> um, but, and we, we've sort of gotten in touch and out of touch and in touch quite a lot over over the time as well, really. Yeah, we've um, stayed in touch to a degree. Yeah, but we initially met in the Kingston as well. Yes. Right? <laughs> um, which is... I, I think that, especially in New Zealand where we are, the kink and polysex cross over quite a bit. It does. I think, um, I personally think that's because in the kink scene people are far more encouraged and accepted to be open with who they are, regardless mm. if that's kinky or their sexuality or identity or anything that comes under that. Yeah, sure. Mm. Anyway, we, we had a poly meetup uh, about a month ago. Maybe a little less than that, didn't we? Yeah, there was a more recent one about a month ago where we tried to um, have a bit of a conversation and discussion night. Um, I feel like holding that in a bar though probably wasn't the best place. People tend to get yeah, a little bit drunk and loud and we didn't finish it, but it was still a success and we had a good time. <laughs> well, I mean, I spoke to Kaylee about this um, yeah. a while back as well, who's one of, obviously one of the other people in the well, met up. She's been on the pod. Um, and like the, the turnout for that was, was quite magnificent. We had, I think, 40 odd people there for that. Yeah, I think uh, at one stage there were over 40 people that were counted. Mm. And that turnout is really good. Um, almost half of them probably were through the community. <laughs> yeah. But that does leave um, another half that aren't associated with kink and are finding it far harder to find people that they can talk yeah. to about this kind of stuff. For sure. And there was, there was a person who'd been there, I won't name names, mm. I don't know whether they're out or not or, what, yeah. or whatever, who was, it was their, their first time ever even coming across this poly thing. Um, and she, um, she was meant to come with a friend, the poor girl, and the friend cancelled on her and she still, she still yeah. turned up and was there and was learning. She was very, very quiet, but she was, I guess, trying to find her spot into it all. And I found it really amazing that everybody who was involved with, with the meetup in general was very open and warm towards her and, and sort of helping out. You know the person. Yeah, sure. I think I think I do. Um, I had a conversation with someone who sounds like it's the same person. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an environment that I'm glad that we created that everyone can feel safe in, whether you're extroverted or introverted. Yeah. It seemed like she was quite introverted. And it is something that we're all aware that we're all a bit different as well and being accepting of that is yeah, it's part of the community I guess to try to make everyone feel like they can yeah. feel safe. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then obviously you had people like yourself who's been doing poly for a long time. Kaylee's done poly for a very long time as well. Um, so tell us how you got into it, how you found it, what what was the, the timeline I guess for for you and Polly? I, I, I guess with polyamory, um, for me, it's it's how I identify. It's not just a relationship practice to me. Mm-hmm. And as far as that goes, it can be compared to sexuality, in that 
though I, I myself identify as bi or somewhere floating along that spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I generally use the word queer because that sort of for yeah. me encompasses the whole. Yeah, um, or more fluid, I find mm. it more sexually fluid. But that wasn't something that I identified until recently, but it was definitely always a part of me. Mm -hmm. Polyamory has always been a part of me, though not identifiable. Yeah. Um, I met a friend in high school, it was probably my first sort of practice in it. We never talked about open relationships. Mm -hmm. We were best friends, um, but was clearly closer than what we call under the normal best Right, right. Yeah, we were a lot closer than so, that. So you did some stuff. <laughs> yeah, we saying. definitely did stuff that would fall under the sexual category, <laughs> so it fell outside of friends to some degree, mm -hmm. though we never discussed that. And we continued this relationship in and out of each other's lives for what has been over a decade now. Um, and I was back um, with this friend in my life and being very close and intimate with her again when we both discovered kink and mm. therefore polyamory through that right. with someone in kink. So you went through kink first and then realised that poly was a kink? Yes, um, sort of at the same time. I okay. came along to the kink coffee meetup, which is very casual and laid back. Yep. Someone through there who then having a very brief discussion with him asked me if I was polyamorous. At the time, I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. As soon as he explained it, I knew that's exactly what that's it was. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's me to a T. Yeah, exactly. And it was sort of an overwhelming feeling of relief that I right. didn't have to settle down and have kids and fulfill sure. the American dream of all things. But actually, <laughs> It was okay to feel the way I do. It was okay and ethical more so yeah. to be who I want to be. And I think that's what, what like we touched on uh, just before as well, that the whole king thing and welcoming people and what and being able to be who you are and not feel as though you've been judged by that sort of thing. It really helps a lot of people. Yeah, it's a become very, who they are. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's a very common pattern that I've heard now that whenever um, polyamorous people do first hear of polyamory, they also, it seems to be a recurring pattern, they also seem to feel a weight lifted off them and more acceptance of who they are and like this less of a fight to try to conform. So even if someone doesn't necessarily practice polyamory, I feel identifying alone as polyamorous can give you more acceptance and love for yourself. Cool. So, keeping on that on that poly path, I guess. Obviously, there's very there's varying degrees of what poly is and what it is to different mm -hmm. people. And you know, people a lot of people think that it's all, hey, let's go and have sex with whoever we want and have fun and mm -hmm. and do that sort of thing. But you've also got the people who know a little bit about it who are in, who know about triads and quads and all of that sort of thing. Um, so you're one female with two seeing two males at the moment, is that right? That is my current situation um, and when a lot of people look at that, I guess those who know about polystructures may assume we're a triad um, or what is actually known as more of a V, which would mm. make me the centre of the V and my two partners. I love being the centre of the V. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is good. Um, <laughs> but of course, with us, we our main thing is that first and foremost, we only have one person in the list ourselves. We are not solely and heavily committed to other partners other than in an ethical sense. 
Right. So all our decisions are made with our partners and mm-hmm. people we care about in general in yeah. mind. So my partners do also have other partners. Yeah. <laughs> if it was just to be, then you know, every woman's dream. But <laughs> <laughs> with your cake, um, if you're going to have your cake and eat it too, there is sometimes a bit of stale cake yeah, that sure. you have to walk it through. Now, I, I, you noted on the fact that people would think that your situation is a triad, and for me personally, knowing all mm. three people involved with you guys, I think people who know you guys could potentially think that because the two guys get along so well with each other as well. Yes, I, I know my situation is very rare in that sense, mm. but um, yes, my part, two partners are very good friends. Sometimes, and great people in general, might I add. Fantastic well, people you. in my I, I do think I have great friends sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that is why they get along as well, and I think it's Sometimes it can be something if you're open to meeting your partner's partner, you may get along, your chances are you do have a lot in common, yeah. you're obviously attracted yeah. to that person. But you get, like, the reason I sort of got involved with Polly, and I'll, I'll probably say this so many times throughout mm. all of these episodes that I do, is that there's 7 billion people in the world and you want to find that one person where <sighs> you satisfy all of their needs, they satisfy all of yours, and there's that yeah. je ne sais quoi. It's um, absolutely terrifying yeah. to think that there's only one person and, out there. And, and, and while, you know, we, we're talking about your partners having other partners and, and you and their partner being similar mm. in, in different ways, there's always going to be a point of difference between you and that other partner, I think, in, within that thought of, I'm not going to satisfy all of theirs, but this other person might satisfy something that I can't and that sort of thing. Is that something that you think about? I that, or? that's something that's definitely came up at the start mm-hmm. of Polly, or it looks like for me and most of my partners that have came and gone as well, um, mm-hmm. is that when you do meet someone else, instantly you notice everything they already have in common. Mm-hmm. For example, one of my partners had started seeing someone he feels quite strongly about recently, and he was excited about all the things he had in common, both environmentalists, both um, do yoga, both have the same sort of ethical and moral views. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a lot of similarities and he was focusing on that. Mm-hmm. But the thing that hurts when a partner can do that is that it does make you feel one of the same yeah. everyone else. Yeah. So asking him to actually focus on what makes us different yeah. has really helped him see us again as separate mm-hmm. partners and but us identify also as what's important. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I guess it's that separating what he gets from you and what he gets mm. from his other partner and going this makes sense a yeah. lot more sense now than okay you're both the, you know the same person <laughs> I'm, I'm dating the same person yeah that in, whole in male with twins kind of yeah. <laughs> cool. uh yeah i've done that <laughs> it's a weird situation i'm not but, gonna lie yeah, but, no it's, um, it's easier to have partners that are different because you do mm. appreciate the differences between them and you start to appreciate your partners even more when you do see the yeah. qualities they have in Yeah, and I guess it's kind of flattering as well that your partners have gone for somebody like you as well. Yes. In a way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would be disappointed if my partners went for someone who had different ethical moral views. It would be mm-hmm. quite difficult and yeah. surprising. <laughs> I mean, both, both of the the guys that you're seeing, like I, like I touched on before, are really fantastic guys and the fact that one of them's begun seeing a new person 
that I think both of them are mature enough to know what they need to do in those situations when they come across somebody that they think that they might like or think that they might want to see with them or, and get those those communicative jo- uh, juices flowing yeah. um, and obviously let you know because I guess that's another common misconception with Polly is that you can't cheat in Polly because you know <laughs> You're, it's okay to sleep with other people um, but I, I've said this in again one of the previous pods where Cheating obviously does exist in poly, and for me, it's it's if you're being if you're having to be dishonest to your partner, that's mm. cheating. Well, cheating by very definition is deceiving, misleading, yeah. or lying to someone. So that can happen in any sense, yeah. romantic, professional, whatever. You can always lie, cheat, yeah, cheat a game of cards. That's you know hiding, misleading, um, and you can do that in any sense. But with polyamory, it's actually harder than being single. Yes, you have openness to see and be gracious with other mm-hmm. people, but you're not just responsible for yourself. You can't go out no. and really and have fun. Yeah, exactly. You've got to be highly answerable to yourself and to someone else, possibly many other people, and mm-hmm. their partner's partners as well. Yeah. So instead of going out and having a fling, if I want to go out and have a one-night stand, I have to sit down with the person for 20 minutes prior and go through a chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It can scare off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely being in open relationships can be far more hard and a lot more work than being single or monogamous. Yeah, for sure. Um, you touched on something there and I've forgotten it already. <laughs> <laughs> um, where... Being responsible? No, no, it wasn't that. I've completely lost it because I had it there, and then you kept talking, and I lost it. Uh, <laughs> but that's fine. That that's that's bad on on Going me. Up, yeah. Um, no, I've completely lost it. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's a safety thing as well. Knowing exactly where you stand and having those communication lines. Yes. Uh, safety, I mean, as a woman, we're taught to be safe from day one, you know, don't talk to strangers, mm. um, always go to the toilet with a friend in case who knows what might happen in those few meters, you know, we're taught safety, so a lot of that comes naturally to us. Mm. Having two partners um, does keep me safe, and most men don't want to miss me knowing that I have two men behind me, but before I go anywhere, I'm always sharing names, addresses, IDs, anything like that. Sure. It's, yeah, safety first. And, that, and that's, I've remembered it now. It's part of that, I guess, that 20 minute chat that you had before you said the as well is, is knowing all of that sort of yeah. information. But that's not where I was leading with that. Um, I know that seeing somebody or having a relationship with somebody and having, or or even kinky relations with somebody and having sex are two very, very different things. One's much more important than the other, right? For me, but that's definitely going to come down case by case. Mm-hmm. Each person in their relationship, whether it's an open relationship, monogamous or poly, mm-hmm. which I do think are different things. Yes. Um, no, they're different. <laughs> yeah, it does come down case by case. Some people, swingers for example, are fall under open relationship spectrum. That's sex is absolutely fine. They can go out, they can generally have sex with other people, usually if their partner's present, sometimes they don't have to be, but they have already uh, agreements that they have paid yeah. to. With us, it's sex isn't so much a thing, it's an emotional. Yeah. So, for example, the partner I live with tonight, he's going out um, 
like to see someone. I don't know names, I don't know place, I don't need to know details, I know they'll probably sex. Mm. What types of sex doesn't affect me unless it is on on break or something yeah. like that, then I need to So know. it's always got to be safe? Yeah, safety first. Mm. Um, of course that's not a hard rule. If he goes out and has unprotected sex with someone, it's not the end of our relationship. Yeah. He tells me we take protective measures until he checks us out. We do not practice conditional love. It is unconditional. Mm -hmm. Our love is not limited on any rules. And I love that. Yep. I love that. Um, yeah, they, they don't, that, and that was sort of the reason I touched with, I knew with that is because sex for a lot of people is a big deal. Ooh. And it's a lot more than, than an emotional connection with somebody, I think. Uh, in, in just talking to people that I know, it's if somebody went and slept with somebody else, that's this big weird, yeah. no, can't do it, they're gone, yeah. sort of thing. Where it's a very normal response. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I guess, for you, it's more if somebody went and you know went on a few days with people and started seeing somebody at it, and mm. so that's where you get. Yeah, you'd probably be more more upset with that than what you would. Okay, yeah. So, great example. Uh, the partner of mine that's in more of an emotional relationship with someone, mm -hmm. um, I didn't find out. A until it was a day, until the day after, or after it actually happened, and right. then out of the blue, I found out they were both very keen on each other, where I could have found out fire. So that's something that had no relation to sex whatsoever, purely mm. emotional, and that's something that hit me very, very hard. Right. It's because I don't feel like it was communicated, obviously, it's something mm. I've worked through since, but it's definitely 100% emotional, very yeah. sensitive, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, like I said, that, that's, kind of crazy for me um i've become more that way now yeah um but i know when i was first coming into poly i was like i needed to know that they were having sex with somebody at some point at, in advance as well that it yeah. could happen because that was a big thing for me but um so you'd run three dates prior and yeah yeah or you know even if they said i'm going on a date with this person it could end up something it could not that i was okay with that but yeah. My partner recently went to went home to Hamilton um, mm -hmm. for, for a week and so with a couple of guys up there. She told me a couple of days after and I found myself fine with it. I was like, okay, that's awesome. You had fun. That's great. Um, and at that moment, I sort of just went, I didn't used to think that. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. When did that change? Yeah, when, when did this change? When did I realize that the physical side of things wasn't a... Was, was a non-factor for me. It mm. was just sort of, okay, cool, you had fun. And that, again, would lead into this conversion side that a lot of people don't really talk about. But it's, as strange as it may seem for me, sex isn't, I don't have a lot of sex now. Uh, I used to have it a lot when I was younger, which is now coming into my <laughs> late 20s. <laughs> um, it's yeah. not so much a big deal for me now. So we don't have a lot of sex, which is why I was super stoked when she went, to Hamilton, and mm. the whole thing was basically just a fuck that's what I was just like, yes, physical, yeah, yeah, yeah. The emotional still with you. Yeah, and and she's told me she's got there's a guy in Australia that used to live in Hamilton where, where she's from. Yeah. Um, that she was like, I think I've got a crush. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, thanks for letting me know. That's that's wicked. Um, and I I was never upset about that side of it. Mm. As long as I was told. Yeah. 
or a heads up. Yeah, give it a heads up. It, it, it was it was I all think, sweet. I feel like that's a really good example about how it's easier as well and quite mm. often when you least expect that I had a moment of realization like that a couple of months ago with um, the partner I lived with um, a couple of years ago when he first started seeing people after our initial you know, six months new relationship excited energy yeah honeymoon period finished yep. and he started to see others um i i was hit with jealousy extremely difficult because mm. he would be getting that that hit that new relationship energy with other people and mm. not with me so that hurt really hard and i remember going through a lot of work and struggling a lot with that mm -hmm. um for example there was this one woman that he was very keen on and she was of course beautiful and fit and and all the things he was and absolutely better than me in a hundred ways, so my brain told me. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So your brain my told you was it was bad idea, don't do it. Was it real <laughs> or was it your brain? That's, it was all in my head. Yeah, yeah. Trying to tell myself that then impossible. Yeah. We all probably can understand to some degree. Oh absolutely. So one of the things she gave him a soft toy, this very cute soft toy that he hung on his mirror facing our bed. So I sat there, lay there for the next year, well after they finished dating, mm -hmm. well after that they lost contact, I can't even remember her name, mm -hmm. that soft toy still sat there staring at me and every time I felt bad. Once it fell off and I intentionally stood on it just as I had a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's like the worst kind of thing where I let my jealousy come outside. Mm -hmm. Usually it's something I try to focus and deal with myself. Yeah. Um, but it got to the point where now when he goes on dates and it isn't just a thing and there is an emotional connection mm. and it's something that's even more someone that's even more interested in the first that doesn't eat me up. I can yeah. look at that toy and I don't care anymore. Yeah, it's yeah. still there. <laughs> and and that comes through with, with work as a person as well, I think. Um, and the jealousy side of things comes through with how society tells us we need to be I think, as well yeah. as part of that. And we, we actually had a big conversation about this at, at the Poly Meetup around jealousy mm. and things like that as well. In that uh, it's a big cloud thing. And do you have the, emo the emotional intelligence to break down what it actually is and feel that way? And I think as as you go through Poly, that sort of comes naturally. That's the balance. Like, yeah. Practice. You, you've got, you don't necessarily need to sit there and work on it like I do. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> nailed down exactly why mm. it because it comes through with emotional maturity yeah uh, on and that the, side and learning more about yourself while those things are happening and the harder the hard bits get easier with time the yeah. first time you're in an open relationship and your partner or partners um having sex with someone else it hurts the first time they go on a date with someone else it hurts the first time they tell them they yeah. love their other partner it hurts yeah the first time it's going to hurt, the first yeah. time it's going to be hard. The second time it's going to be hard too, chances are it's going to be easier though. Mm. And who knows, by the third or fourth time it might not even hurt at all. Yeah. It can be that quick. Well, it's just like sex. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or butt stuff, you know. Well, no, well I'll some, disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not on that one. Yeah, but it's still that sort of first few times it's probably not going to be as enjoyable or not as it's going to be more painful yeah, than what it will be. The more you become familiar with it, yeah. the more you realise that your partner being interested in someone else doesn't mean they're not interested in you. The yes. first time, you know, you work through that stuff, 
the second time they go off, you're like, okay, I've done this before, I've been through this before, it sucks, mm-hmm. but this is the likely outcome. Mm-hmm. And when it happens again, it confirms that. Yeah. You feel better, you feel more secure, and you grow. But then somewhere down the line, it goes off in a completely different oh, direction, yeah, and you go, does. shit, what do I do now? Yeah, I had a partner that I felt quite strongly for last year. We were dating for about five months. Mm-hmm. They told me that they would never go back to monogamy. They've been married, they've been through it several times. There was yeah. no way they would be ever interested in anything before. Of course, that gave me a lot of faith in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he saw other people, I was excited for him. I didn't feel any fear or jealousy because I had so much confidence in him being so dedicated to polyamory. Unfortunately, the first person he started seeing other than me, he decided to go monogamous. <laughs> so, even yeah, even with all that experience, even with two other partners, um, being dumped for monogamy hurts. Yeah. And you always get that response, oh well, at least you've got so and so. I'll tell you why, this is not a good thing to say to a polyamorous person. Telling them that, oh okay, it sucks you've been dumped, but at least you have your other partner, exactly the same as when my father died someone turning to me and being like oh well at least you've got your mum yes i'm glad i've got my mother i'm pleased but it doesn't make it any easier it's inside inside yeah what what i've done in that sort of situation as well is you start the second uh, for me i start second guessing the relationship that i've got there as well and i don't want to open up to them in case they do a similar sort of thing Very and that, true. that that goes through my mind and uh, it has has gone through my mind i should say it doesn't so much anymore I feel like the, the partners I've had, yes, it's, it does create baggage I didn't have prior mm. coming into the relationship. But being that they were partners I had prior, they have already built that confidence yeah. in me, that, that relationship with them. Sure. Going on from this, dating since, it definitely has, um, I guess, helped me build a wall in that, oh, you say this but actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And for that, that's just personal growth in any aspect. Yeah. We learn from our lessons. Yeah. As long as we don't put what others have done to us onto new people, mm-hmm. then it's just growth that we can do. For sure, <laughs> for sure. So we've, we've, we're almost halfway through what we're doing. And we've touched on one topic. I've got a whole list of things here to talk okay. about. Um, but you touched on conversion before. Yeah, so we do need to have that conversation because it's, it's it's a relatively new word um, that people don't know. And I, I did touch on it with with Kaylee and Scott as well. Yeah. Um, but it's it's going to be a recurring theme as we as I go through this this journey, this podcast, this thing that I'm doing where I'm just mm. learning about people and what their side of things is. What's conversion for you? Conversion for me at this point is something I've heard people talk about and I've seen others experience, but mm-hmm. I'm yet to experience myself. Right. I am also learning that that's okay, that mm. I may never experience it, but absolutely. that's absolutely fine. Mm. The jealousy side is getting easier. Mm-hmm. I do feel happy for my partners when, of course, they're feeling happy. Yeah. Um, I can smile when I see them smiling talking about a date with a partner or something. But that's just sort of empathy. It is. I feel that's more empathy than compassion. Yeah. So you because you're feeling the same as they are because of that you're not Yeah. You're not I'm not happy feeling them. the same as they are. I can see that they're excited. I don't feel that same excitement. Yeah, yeah. I can see them smile. When you see someone you love smile, mm-hmm. it's very hard not to smile. Yeah, <laughs> it's just for something sure, that for happens. Sure. 
So that is a good thing, and it's something I encourage for my partner. Mm -hmm. It helps me feel better about yeah. setting up. Other people make me happy. Okay, then I can see the reasoning behind it. Mm -hmm. If other people make me miserable, I'm going to want to end that relationship. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, absolutely. So seeing them happy makes me feel happier. Um, I do want to get to the point of conversion, um, and it's... I Which do, is being happy, obviously for people who don't, being happy hmm. because your partner's happy, or your partner's doing something that makes them happy. Yeah, I definitely relate conversion more to the romantic sense, because okay. it's something that's used in the polyamory, um, polyamory circles, and sex circles actually, I've heard it referred to in them, so mm -hmm. the pinky sense. But not so much in the outside world, it's definitely more empathy that's related to in that sense. Mm -hmm. Conversion is a difficult one for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can understand yeah. that. It's, it's not inbuilt into human nature naturally. Uh, oh, no, I, I think it's probably a natural thing, but it's not the, society, the societal side of things. Mm -hmm. You can't be happy for somebody that you're with to be with somebody else. No, we're encouraged to feel jealous yeah. on that, we're encouraged yeah. to feel angry, which is all very negative mm. emotions. And humans have this tall poppy syndrome as well, where anything, if somebody else is happy than they are, they're going to bring them down or find something to hit their gut to, to bring them down. And um, that sort of comes into this sort of thing as well, I think. It does, and that, um, actually, funnily enough, you saying that reminds me of the one abusive relationship I've had here. He was a very intelligent man, mm -hmm. and he could see what he was doing wrong. And he actually told me himself, he said, you are so happy and so driven that I feel like the only way I can be as happy and driven as you is to bring you down to where I am. Mm -hmm. So his intelligence in that abusive relationship helped me see so many faults because he could analyse his own yeah. actions. And like you said before, the tall poppy syndrome is so huge in New Zealand. I think it's a worldwide thing, to be honest. Mm. Um, it's a huge thing in sport, yeah. for example. You know, you see this great player because, and people sit there and go, but he didn't do this, but he didn't do that, he hasn't done that. You know, they compare the people who know sport, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, two big basketballers, mm. and they sit down and they compare them, and you sit down and go, why can't they just be great for who they are? Yeah. Instead of having to, to point out the negatives in one of their games that it has better over the other, and you just sit there and just the competitiveness <gasps> on that side as yeah. well. I actually sat with a man recently who him and his uh, long-term partner have just opened up the relationship. So right. him and his partner have just started dating other people, haven't had sex with other people, mm -hmm. but are just at that stage. And I remember him telling me about this new woman he was dating and straight away, because I'm friends with both of them, him and his uh, long-term partner, mm -hmm. he started to tell me all the negative things about this woman he was dating. What? Yeah, so I had to stop him there and ask him, why are you telling me negative? So, so, and he's like, oh, because my other partner's so much better, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I was like, okay, wow. I can see why you're doing this. You're wanting to confirm that you love your first partner. Yeah, more. yeah. And of course you should. You know her a lot better than you've been for years. You've yeah. this new person three weeks. I really hope you are committed to yeah. Um, But to tell me negatives or even say them to yourself, that's rough. Destroying the relationship yeah. day one. Yeah. So I asked him to tell me about this new partner, the things that are different mm. from his long-term partner. And I saw him sit back and think, and then he started to smile. And he could tell me the things that made her different. Good. And they weren't negative. They weren't great. They mm. were just 
different. Mm-hmm. And by him sitting there and smiling and saying that, I knew that his long-term partner, if she was sitting there watching him smile, hearing him say these things, then that would make her feel a lot better as yeah. well. And it, it could just be about the way that you've worded what you've said that changes from a negative to a difference. You go, like for example, um, she doesn't. Uh, her figure isn't as good as my partner. Oh. As my original partner's too. Her different isn't the, her figure isn't the same as my partner. Yeah. It, I don't. I don't want to use physical attributes as that, but that's the first thing that pops into my head. And I think. Or she thinks a different way as hmm. opposed to not as intelligent. Or you know. Yeah, I think one good example here, so many names I can, is um, his long-term partner is um, very polite and kind and sweet and reserved, mm-hmm. where he really appreciates and loves that because he's a very outgoing, loud, okay, like me and like you, I guess, <laughs> the very, the, the party person kind of person. Me? Rather Never. Than, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, so the outgoing one, where he appreciates this new woman he's dating because she's also outgoing. He, she challenges him right. um, mentally, so he gets that fight back and forth. Cool. Where he doesn't want that 24-7. He mm-hmm. enjoys that time with her. He enjoys going out and going up the hills and doing fitness stuff with her. Yeah. But then he also really, really enjoys being at home in front of the fire with his long-term partner. Right. Her not chatting much, him not chatting much, and just being able to like, do what they're used to and they're quiet. They're sort of downloading the life and Yeah. Yeah. So to have those two positive aspects in their life and both of these women complement his life mm-hmm. perfectly. Yeah. They are competing against each other, their attributes are very different. Mm. And he by focusing on those it helps him build the relationship with both of his partners. Mm. So what what I would find interesting here is the kind of guy that she would find whether she found somebody who was yeah, the as, partner she's dating is actually a good example in this one as well because he's, um, though he's a lot uh, bigger than him, he, she was saying she really enjoys the new guy having a belly and having the bigger body. Physical, yes. Yes! <laughs> and the variation she enjoys immensely, which I also can agree with. There's, there is definitely the hot, um, toned body that feels great, that firm body. Um, but then there's the warm, snugly, feeling wrapped up and safe in the bigger body. Yeah, like that's, two, what I'm, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> two body types, yeah. that sense, very, very thing. And the two personalities as well, being mm-hmm. extroverted or introverted, very attractive in different ways yeah. as well. They aren't, those qualities aren't better than the other one, it's a no. better than the other. They're different and it's good to have different. <laughs> yeah, and it's that just slight change of thinking mm-hmm. that can make all the difference in something like that. Most definitely. And can help with conversion as well. When you can understand why your partner thinks that exactly. And again it comes down to emotional intelligence, I think at the end of the day. I do feel like that is the one and only requirement to practice ethical and moral relationships mm. is emotional intelligence. Being able to think logically. Emotionally, yes, but to be able to have a balance there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said probably about five minutes ago <laughs> we've been on one topic for about half that time. But that, that's fine. I don't mind that because this is, I'm loving this chat. And we had similar kind of chats, but nothing that goes as in-depth as we have today. No. I don't think we just sort of go, so this has happened in my life. This has happened in a friend's life. And, yeah. And, you know, and we've 
because we know so many of the same things, yeah. it's easy to babble off on subjects that we're going to get there. Yeah, well, I think that, well, I had a look the other day at how many friends we have in common on Facebook, and I went there and I just went, <laughs> and the weird thing is it's all from different sorts of areas that and things like that. That is the strange thing. Yeah. And we, we sat down one day and we, we were sitting there going, yeah, how do we get through this weather? And basically, it just comes down to the town that we live in, Crosshatch. It's, it's small. Yeah. <laughs> really, is what it comes down it to. It only takes a few years to know pretty much everyone in every Yeah. It, especially because we've, we've been in similar circles and multiple times, obviously, with Kink and Polly at the moment, mm. probably being the biggest two that, yeah. that we're a part of. And that's. Crosshatch is already a small place, and then you bring it down to another. Mm another circle and you sort of you know you can learn by proxy who people are seeing and what they're doing with other people through that yeah through just watching them in those in those circles and stuff like that so that's really really interesting as well but obviously we first met in the kink side of things yeah and that's where i met one of my partners mm -hmm. um which funnily enough we don't have a kink relationship anymore right. <laughs> but my other partner who i met in the usual bar thing mm -hmm. um I do have a kink relationship with and I think that's something that's important for variation as well and I mm -hmm. it's probably why poly is so popular in kink mm -hmm. because there is a greater understanding of different maybe not needs mm -hmm. but wants and if you I feel like if you truly love someone you want them to be happy you yeah. want them to get all the wants yeah. definitely all the needs <laughs> yeah absolutely um and yeah and the other thing with with Polly and the kink scene is my kink's not always your kink. Mm, so you can get <laughs> what you need from other people. Yeah. And that's And I think that's also why a lot well. of people open up their relationships mm -hmm. because they've been with a partner for a long time. Say so they've married, they've been together five years, got kids, confirmed now Sounds terrifying. It's a very normal yes. <laughs> so I'm saying a normal, normal situation. Yeah. Trying to be normal, yeah. In inverted quotes, normal. <laughs> yeah, um, one of those partners might be bisexual, for example, so it's very obvious that your other that the partner they're with can't be both both needs. Yeah. So it's normal for them to open up. <laughs> then with um, certain agreements. Yeah. Those agreements and rules um, that they often push uh, can cause a lot of issues at the start, mm -hmm. you want to overwork through and those agreements and rules are loosened more and more and more over yeah. time to the point where there's Practicing basically relationship anarchy, which mm -hmm. is a subtitle under polyamory. Yeah, where well, you just see everyone sees everyone. Sort yeah, of thing. everyone sees everyone. You don't. about what you're doing. Honestly, the the gay community here is very much like that. Yeah. Um, my my ex would go and play with us with others quite a fair bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I also while I was with that ex played with other people. Oh. Quite a bit as well. That's why you can play together, or you may have played together, but just differently with others. No, I didn't play together um, mm. with others. It was always mm. so that. But then there was a time where my my secondary kink partner, we weren't dating or anything like that. Her romantic partner mm. um, came into one of our kink scenes, yeah. and that was that was an interesting experience for me because he was quite new to kink. He was fine with Polly. That wasn't mm. an issue that he was new to kink. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a whole other set of yeah. agreements. Yeah. So I mean, that was that was really it was it was cool because he was in the room and you know he was comfortable with everything that was that was happening and I was I'm always very careful to check in with people anytime I'm doing the same. Whoever's involved. 
and having that other person with a relationship in there it means that there's more ethical demands put on yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. And that's why because um, it, it was we'd played it there a few times before she started seeing oh, this guy. Uh, she's she's actually on the pod as well. She was episode number one. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> um, but um, so I can say her name. It's fine. It's uh, Lauren. And uh, so with him in the room, I was it was very easy to gauge what was comfortable, what wasn't comfortable, mm. and teach him a thing or two as well because I'm I'm well versed in things at yes. this point. Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of different things. You watch uh, it's called multi potential life. You get into something and you throw yourself at 110 years. So, <laughs> within even a year of you being in a cave, I think you absorb more than most people in the past. Yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think that's right. I've never heard that word Multi potential life is something that mm. um, I've been called recently as well because I go hard and heavy too. Yeah. I get into something, um, I throw myself at 110 years. I get into something else. Over there. The perfect example of that. Me was Electro, right? Yeah. I went to that one Electro night and then it was just like, I'm getting all the things. Yes. And, you know, I spent $1,200 on, uh, on yeah. a TENS unit and and, um, and yeah. still use it to this day just because, you know, I had it done to me. I was terrible. Um, but I had it done to me. I was like, ha 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 ha. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> and it was one of those things I didn't think I was going to be into. I was. You know, mm. went along to learn about it. Yeah. And then did it, and I was like, well, then, <laughs> this is happening now. Yeah, and I think for that, for me as well, I definitely discovered something and I threw myself in. Um, environmentalism is something I was always brought up with. I have yeah. a happy mother, um, but as soon as I started working with the Greenpeace, I couldn't believe how much there was I didn't know. I threw myself in completely. Um, and though I still volunteer, it's something that I feel like is almost more created my a lot of my morals and ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, with that alone, it's almost yeah my spiritual beliefs. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, with polyamory, I've thrown myself in 110 percent as soon as that man says, "Have you heard of polyamory before?" Mm-hmm. It's that's it. Yeah. And I've learned as much as I can. I've bought books that I can't afford. Mm-hmm. You buying toys you can't afford <laughs> just yeah. to learn more and to get into it more. And sure. you know, like my um, interests may shift in the future, but it'll always become a part of me. It'll yeah. be a core, core part of me. Absolutely. So just um, touching, coming back to the to the whole kink side of things. Mm-hmm. How did you get into it? Was there a moment um, that, that you was went? the same partner I had off and on um, for 10 years. The mm-hmm. first one I was in an official polyamorous relationship with because we thought, oh, this is a new thing, we can identify this. Oh. Yeah. So she was, um, she was is, uh, still very close to me and mm-hmm. I will no doubt be back with her again for this disability. Um, I'm pretty sure I know this person. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. pretty sure you know this person. Yeah. So she wanted me to go along for quite some time mm-hmm. and I put up a bit of a fight. I don't know if it's for me, but I definitely knew it was for her. So I went along to support her, to the coffee thing, yeah. that person, with Polly. Um, but also found that I actually quite enjoy um, playing with her. She responds, I always enjoyed her response because mm-hmm. we met in um, dance class. Like she's the most beautiful performer and just you know, takes me away every time I walk, yeah. every time I see a move and the fa- you know, facial expression. So playing and getting responses from people I think is more 
of what got me into kink, okay. the initial toy. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed, so I, I enjoyed a variety and it was more dependent on who I was playing with and what they enjoyed right. and how they responded to But on, on that note, I guess, what you've obviously done a fair few number of different things and that sort of thing now, what are things that you've sort of grown into and that you found that you've enjoyed as well, or is it all just about what the partner enjoys? A lot of it's about what the partner enjoys. Initially, I started exploring rope um, and topping with impact, mm-hmm. so flogging, belts, rear hand, all the usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's because the person teaching me at the time, that was what uh, they were mainly strong in, so I learned a lot through that. Mm-hmm. And they are skills I definitely use when I am playing with someone now, but I personally feel that rope isn't necessarily for me. I mm-hmm. I prefer the control of the mind. I prefer mm-hmm. the power of the bare hand. Yeah. Using toys can be fun, but it's never the same as skin on skin. The, 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 the bare hand thing, sorry to interrupt, the oh, bare hand yeah. thing is, is a huge thing for me. That's, yeah. that's one girl that, that we both know mm-hmm. in the scene now, that even now we haven't played the a year and a half probably now. Yeah. Um, and I think she was seeing one of your partners at some point as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where I can put two fingers as in, you know, yeah. I can put two fingers in the air and she'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and, I lo- and that's that mind thing yeah. that you were just touching on then. And, or, or I can show an open hand to her. Yeah. And she'll sit there and, you know, yeah. <laughs> shiver a little bit. React. Yeah, and, and that is just, Ooh. that turns me on so, so much. I'm just like, yes, yes. I've got you in the palm of my hand, or quite literally almost at that point. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's it's a good feeling. Yeah, it really is. And it is, but, I think there's a negative mind frame about kink, is there's mm. a lot of abuse and stuff in it, where you'll find a lot of people like you and I that tend to top or dom mm. um, are actually doing it more because we enjoy others' enjoyment. Yeah. We're not doing things to hurt people. We're no. doing things because we want to push the boundaries. We mm-hmm. want to make them feel good. We want to see them have happy tears. Yeah. We want them to make us feel good. And I guess that's the conversion thing as well. Yeah. We're making someone feel good so we feel good. Mm. But that's more in the sense that that's something we're doing yeah. than someone else is doing. So that's like it would be a conversion. Yeah. And I'm not actually done it. I'm not you sure don't have, have any science dog? No, I switch. Okay. I do both. Yeah. Um, you have told me that, so yeah. as far as identifying it, it's a tough one. It is a tough one because I am seen, even by people in the scene, as a, as oh. a dominant because that's you have predominantly a what I do. as well as I do. I like to take control of the room. <laughs> that's yeah. for sure. And I can do it very well if mm. I want to. Um, it's not often that I want to anymore. Okay. So that's something you've explored through your own experience. Yeah, it's it's very dependent on the situation. Mm-hmm. If I want to take control of the room, I will. I remember one thing that I had with the, with the same girl. Um, I don't think you were there. It was a bend in the office. And I can't remember if you were there or not. At a location just out of Christchurch. Yeah. And um, we ended up having 25, 30 people watching it. And I spoke about it with Lauren because it was the first time she'd seen the play and we'd had a conversation mm. around essentially us playing, so she wanted to see that. Yeah. And it was 25, 30 people there, which was over half of the party, I think, at that point as well. Mm. And that's because I wanted to control the room at that point. Those people were not going to leave by any stretch while yeah. I was there doing my thing. They were going to be watching. So it is a performance as well in yeah. those senses. Yeah. It's not, you know, behind closed doors, checks that you're doing it. 
public no, mood. I, 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 I love the performance. See, I'm, I enjoy performance, mm -hmm. but um, with my ex-girlfriend, it was I preferred public performance than private with yeah. her because yeah, I enjoyed her private response. Yeah. And not a lot of that was new to me. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed others' responses to yeah. hers, and they were like, yeah. Because she... She's a performer. And yeah, like we mentioned dance class, she's always she, been a performer, and she's incredible. Performer. She'll squirm and, and, yeah. and, she's a, and goad you into things as well. Yeah, but very much. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> That's one way to put it, and we almost had a thing for a little bit as well, which mm -hmm. one reason I like that why it just didn't happen. Yeah, and, and that was I fun. feel she uh, threw herself in much like uh, you did into camp and learned everything really quickly, but also discovered that a lot of the stuff she did, um, she doesn't enjoy it in the sense of what she was longing for and wanting. Mm -hmm. So she's actually born from a lot of the stuff in ways that we used to play yeah. and develop other ways, which I find I have not done as well. And yeah. you have in your journey of camp, and I think that's important in camp. We'll go in and discover, oh, we need to do this. But just like sexuality or identity, it can change so much over time. I myself, though I consider myself still dominant, I don't mind bottoming. Mm -hmm. Bottoming and subbing, very different, very different things. things. Yeah. <laughs> I, You're giving up a lot more to yeah, subbing. As long as I'm in control and power, I'm yeah. happy. So, but, but for those listening, the, the, the difference between them really is bottoming and topping, I generally find that it's for the length of a scene. It's nothing more than that for myself. Whereas dominant and submissive is more of an ongoing yeah. relationship sort of thing where you have set roles and mm. you're looking after each other. And you'll way. see the dominant submissive in a lot of mono relationships. Yeah, where absolutely. one person, for the lack of better term, wears the pants in yeah. the relationship. Ah, but yes, you'll see that a lot and people laugh about it, but that is such a normal and healthy way to have yeah. relationships Absolutely. It's all, you can't sit there and judge somebody else in the relationship because what they do is what they do and it works for them, as long as it's not abuse. Yes, as long as everyone you is know. consenting and happy about yeah. it, then it's going ahead. And the, the, the consent thing is interesting around that because in this country, and I've touched on this previously as well, you can't consent to assault. <laughs> Which is what, it's what's happening in that a lot of consent. Yeah, it is implied. So if, if the cops walked into one of these parties, there could uh, be a lot of people in trouble. Generally, they Out won't. of context, yeah. many, many things looked off. Yeah. Out of context. Absolutely. But you, you wouldn't get these people pressing charges. At, at these <laughs> for the most part, no. there are people who. Yeah, and I, in all honesty, if there were, because it is an environment where it is set up so safe, and yeah. you have people that have been in the long term, yeah. um, DMs, for example, yeah. that are in charge of making sure everything's okay, there is no way that any charge itself could go further because it is such a safe, protected yeah. environment that if assault happened, it would be, it would be dealt with immediately before charges were even and, 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 had it has, and it has been done. It has been it done. It has been done has been in our scene here in Christchurch. So quickly and, and efficiently. Yeah. It and it and I, I, I touched on it with Lauren there. We had a guy who actually got deported because of the things he was doing yeah. um, back to America. So the fact that that happened, you know, it puts a lot of 
Mm. Puts a lot of pride in what yeah, we're doing, as well as confidence in the community. That's what I was going to say. Mm. So, um, let's rewind even more now. Okay. okay. We, we talked about how you got into game. We talked about how you got into poly. Let's go back to when you first realised sex was a thing. Or even more than that. Mm. When you first thought, <laughs> it feels good to touch myself, or... You know. I have a little bit of a different upbringing in that. In okay. that my mother never treated me as a child. So right. I appreciate that. She treated me with respect. That's she true. never told me what to do because I'm their mother. Mm-hmm. She explained what needed to be done and right. why. So because of that, I guess she said I was a good child. That was <laughs> what I was told immediately because I always needed the reason, reason behind for it. it wasn't right. just what told. Mm-hmm. So of course, when I was young, I remember asking, why are those animals doing what we're doing? And instead of my mum bullshitting about it, she was straight up, oh, those dogs are knotted because they've had sex. And when they have sex and they right. can pull out, it's caught. And she explained everything in detail. So as a young child, you don't react with, ooh, gross. You go, oh, okay. Mm. All right. Because so, it's not ingrained into you yet. That, that it's a gross thing. Yeah. So, of course, when it came up for me as a human thing, she said, oh, well, when you're older, your body's going to change, you've got to go here, there, mm-hmm. you've got to go this, you've got to start leading, and you've got to want this. So it was like, all laid out for you. It was really? laid out, but it was also explained to me that I'm not going to want those things until my body starts changing. Yeah. So I was like, oh, when I'm grown up, down <laughs> and So, of course, 10, 11, 12, I was at a school, so mm-hmm. you see all the normal school stuff. The yeah. girls started shaving their legs. I couldn't understand why. We were 13. We were children. I was climbing trees. I had 15 friends. Um, they started wearing makeup. Also, I couldn't understand why at such yeah. a young age. Um, for me, I grew breast at that stage. Uh, far too young for them. Didn't know what to do with them. Didn't get my period for two years later. So yeah. it was a bit put off yeah. by these weird things. Um, the, the, course, these lumps of that, that suddenly me and the boys still weren't picking on me anymore. Mm. Yeah, well not in the way they used to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first sort of experience. Um, and then uh, a very common thing that happened, I guess, for a lot of uh, young people going through puberty was gym. I started climbing the rope, muscles tensing in your belly, of course you have those reactions you have. I don't know what it was then. I had no idea what was going on. It felt good, so, you know, continue climbing the rope. Hey, what do you know? Then, what a felt embarrassed, not that anyone could tell what was going on. Yeah. So, expanding well, on that, we had a spa, that's obvious, yeah. and... So, um, what, yeah. what I've heard quite a bit, and this is from mm. other other women and, and podcasts, but furniture is a big thing, apparently. Like, riding the arm of a... Hmm, I missed out a, on that one. Of a, you uh, know, of pillow, a, though. Okay. Pillows, yeah. Pillows, I think that's a pretty normal one. But if, if, if you think of, you know, the, the arm of a couch or something like mm. that and saddling yourself on it, I guess that could do something. I, yeah, I, don't I know imagine it would, well. but it's not something I particularly and, practiced. I feel like that's because there is so much shame, particularly put on women's masturbation. Mm-hmm. I never intentionally yes. masturbated right. as a teenager. Right. And I can legitimately say for my entire teenage years, it wasn't until I was 20 that I intentionally masturbated, wow. which is horribly sad, screwed <laughs> up, and left me with so many issues about sex yeah. that did, I didn't enjoy sex. Did you have sex? before this happened? Or? Oh yes, so I lost my virginity at 16, about okay. two weeks before I was 17, mm-hmm. so I had had my period then, had okay. finished developing, yay, I waited. Um, I d- it didn't hurt, um, 
it didn't feel good either. It was just kind of like, oh, this is happening. And I remember lying there and thinking, this is it. This is what people make a big deal yeah. out of. I think, wow. that's, I think that's like 99% of women's first time. I think it is. And I think that's also because we're not encouraged to pressure ourselves. No. We don't know yeah. what feels good. I knew climbing the rope at school what felt good. I knew mm. pressing against the stuff in the, in the whatever they're called, jets and spa felt good. Yeah. But I never did that to feel good right. because it was embarrassing and yeah. I was scared. And though I didn't believe in Christianity and God and heaven, I still felt like I was going to be punished. Right. So whenever I... Like it's them, a shame for yeah, I did it for them. I did it because I wanted a free ride home and the pizza. I did it because right. I'd been there for three months and I felt obligated. I did it because it was what you were supposed to do. You, you touch on that. Did it because you felt obligated? For, for me... In a, in a strange sense, we're going to get a little bit, a little bit heavier here. Yeah. For me, that's kind of a form of, of, I wouldn't say sexual assault, but it's getting up to that sort of. It is. It is sexual abuse, but it's not done by someone. It is done by our society. Yeah. Because it was never forced on me or coerced onto me by these partners I had in my teenage okay. years. I so that's good. I even then had a good judge of partners. I yeah. don't know why. But somehow I've always been pretty good at picking people. So they're always very sweet. I often initiated it because I'm like, okay, we're kissing, it's going to go this way. Yeah. Because that's what I'm told it's going to go to. Um, so it was never something that they pushed on to me. Mm-hmm. I remember when I lost my virginity, the man even checked in and was like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I remember shrugging and actually saying, I don't care, this isn't a big deal to me. <laughs> and it's good that it wasn't a big deal yeah. to me because losing your virginity sure. isn't that. Yeah. It's, I mean, what is it? It could have been the first time riding the road. It could have been the first time something penetrated me, which would have been a tampon, not a dick. Yeah. It could have been the first time I had a dick, or the fingers coming or fingers in. that happened prior. Virginity is an but, absolute myth. Well, they, they, they say that it's when the hymen's broken, right? Oh, but if you've broken yeah. the hymen, honey, you've done something wrong. Exactly. Let's fix this now. Exactly. Do not break the hymen. <laughs> it is a muscle like the anus. It stretches open when you're having sex, it'll be looser. Mm. When, it, when someone's not turned on, someone is a vagina owner, it's going to be tight and not good. <laughs> Do not make it bleed. For God's sake, Sam. <laughs> Honestly, what, what I'd say to anybody, if, if it is that first time, yeah. and you're nervous about it, quite often you're not lubricated up. Mm. You're not self-lubricated, especially. So don't Get some goddamn lube if you're going to do that. Yeah, otherwise even don't then, even aim for no. penetration. Just aim for what feels good. Feel yeah. around the outside. But There's so many areas. For me, the last, the last couple of years, foreplay is so much more for me. It, it feels a lot more intimate for me oh, than yeah. what... The actual act of sex is because you become this sweaty, heaving mess. I'm, I'm a large guy, I'm 120 kilos. If you're American, 250 pounds sort of size. Um, and it, I don't feel very good doing it. I'm just, you know, this is heaving right now. It still results in a sweaty, heaving mess. And if it doesn't, then you're probably just having a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Yeah, the four that, that, that's not a con- That's not the connection part of it for me. That's. Mm. You know, the summit or, or whatever you want to call yeah, it, where you aside It's a coital moment. Being a woman and having sex with women, um, actual intercourse, penetration is not necessary and often doesn't oh. happen. Um, we still have sex with tampons, and this is going to scare a lot of men, but hey, <laughs> hard truth, we still play around on the outside. You've got to fucking learn today, guys. Lesbians have sex with tampons, and we just leave them in and ignore the intercourse, and we get that off with 
around it. Yeah, so more <laughs> yeah. through clitoral stimulation. Clitoral, um, labia, anal, mm-hmm. can everything. Yeah. I've had sex, and I will call it sex without being physically touched once. It was a man, he blew air all around, neck, oh, ears, mouth, yeah. all the sensitive areas slowly down my body, focusing on different parts. By the time he even got to take anything between my legs, I was already so close to but an ear on my clip got me there. Yeah. So that's hot. That is. That was <laughs> that's really insane. hot. <laughs> and I also kind of like that a guy did it as well. Yeah. It's not just it's not just achievable by a woman who are far more delicate. Yeah. And often, to be honest, can get women there a lot easier. Yeah. It just shows that men can do it too without using your fingers or yeah. your tongue but or your dick. Guys are so <laughs> macho that they'll just yeah. yeah. They just straight away want to stick it under and that's not necessarily. So I, I had a rule for the longest time where a girl would come before I got in front of her. That was my, that, my big thing. So that, that's a good rule, but then that makes her feel obligated to. And that's why and that's why I took the rule away. Yeah. I wouldn't tell them about this rule. Yeah. So purely because that puts the pressure oh, on yeah, to, that's a lot okay, of I need to come before <laughs> he's going to fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> shit. Oh, <laughs> um, but that was in my mind. Because mm. if both parties aren't enjoying it, then why the fuck are you doing it? Yeah, exactly. Unless you're having a kid. Even right, then, yeah. you should still be fucking enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, right, just checking that question. We've been doing all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, I don't understand guys that are just like, okay, sweet, I'm done. Well, I We're good. I, I, that's a good subject because um, with sex, and what people would call, I guess, foreplay, for me, it's one of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's also the same with poly and friendships or relationships. It's so hard for me to determine what's a, a friendship and what's um, an intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. For example, because of that friend I had in high school, we were friends. We were friends. We had boyfriends at the time. It was fine. But because we were both girls, we could hang out and kiss. And, you know, that whole double standard. Mm. Um, yeah, try and see two guys doing that in high school. Back when we were. In my head, it happened. Never happened, <laughs> though, unfortunately. Because yeah, you've, you've got a thing around guys getting girls together. So many women do, and apparently yeah. men do as well. It's actually a really, really big fetish. It's just something that's not as effective because two men together is usually feminine. And yeah, there is, that's a whole other feminist issue. <laughs> yeah, I find that really interesting. Hmm. Because obviously I'm bi, so 90% of the porn that I watch is is bisexual porn, because that's what does porn. Um, And you'll find a lot of straight women will watch um, mm. lesbian or even gay porn because it is so much more gentle and what we conceive as real. There's Mm. less intercourse, far more foreplay, far more focused on the soft emotional responses. You know what actually really annoyed me uh, a little while ago? I was going through Pornhub at the very good bit, Pornhub. Yeah, and probably. There's, there's <laughs> something that actually really annoyed me, and we're going to go into, into feminism a little bit. Mm. There's literally a category that says for women. Yeah. That annoyed me. Because <laughs> you can't sit there and go, women are going to enjoy this kind of porn. Because some of my exes watch some fucking violent shit. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not all of this nice little. It's a generalisation. Whatever with the storyline and and you know, yeah. it's got to be tailored this way because no, fuck off, <laughs> just fuck off. 
What are they going to watch what they want to watch? You could put it in as, you know, softcore or gentle or, you know, something like that. Don't sit there and go, this is for women. And you'll have guys that'll fucking enjoy that as well. You are so right. And I do think, though, myself, if I went into four and a half months or a title for women, that is directly the category I would go for as a woman. Mm. But it's so many men that would enjoy that. It is off-pushing. Yeah. You know, boys aren't allowed pink, but not allowed to go to the women, so not allowed to go to four women. Mm. Girls aren't allowed blue, but not allowed to go to the boys' room. We can't watch the four that boys. Mm. So it is more of a divide where if you did, okay, a lot of the fallen four five is definitely extremely degrading and humiliating and plays a lot on unconsensual stuff, mm-hmm. which I can understand why they do need to make another category that is far more consensual and consensual. But maybe you that's can what name they it call it. Yeah. Consensual board. Oh, that looks interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and and look, you, you touch on it there that there is a lot of unethical porn out there. Um, you look at the likes of what happened with James Dean, I don't know if you heard about that. That's. Mm. You did? I've heard uh, a bit of that. Yeah. yeah, where he was ignoring the safe words and things like that. And, and saying shit like that. And you just sit there and you're like, that's far. That's terrifying. And <laughs> you know, this, this is stuff that's going out there in, in general public that's mm. going on, and it's. Yeah. It's literally like fucking sexual abuse. And because I'm a what's called a third wave feminist, um, mm-hmm. I do focus a lot on sex positivity. Yeah. Um, and that is definitely something where I'm very pro-sex, pro-consensual sex, but mostly pro-education. Yeah. A lot of the porn is being seen by a lot of people that don't have a lot of sexual experience yeah. or none. And though they know it's not real, they don't know what parts that are real. They know the actors and stuff never actually, you know, yeah. look that pretty and have that bleach thumbhole in real yeah. life. But then holding someone down who's said no and ramming them is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Sure, if if it's been negotiated beforehand and there's a safe word, it isn't, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And but that's not shown. Yeah, that, exactly, that's what it is. That's not shown. And that's where the... And this is going to touch another one of the blurred lines. Yeah. It. And that stupid fucking song that came out a number of years ago around that as well. It's, yeah. I was I was really weird with my with my mm-hmm. sex I lost my virginity before I found porn. But I was masturbating and stuff before. Yeah. But it was to, you know, the Kmart magazine where a woman was in a bra. <laughs> You know, oh, that, 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 my grandparents said yeah. yeah, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't even porn magazines. It was, yeah. you know, the, it was the junk, it was the junk mail. It was the junk mail. Hey, there's a woman not wearing much. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And when, you, when you're a guy, honestly, and I can almost guarantee that every guy thinks that it's the first time that he, that he masturbated. They think they've found this great thing that nobody else has found. <laughs> We really do, because oh. it's such a great feel. And they're like... The secret. Yeah, it's just, yeah, just guys don't talk to each other. Oh, why would I talk to each other about that? Yeah. Really? We never confess that no. we touched each other between our legs. Really? That, oh, even as adults. Like, wow. okay, not in my group of friends, obviously. Oh, yeah. um, but some <laughs> of my friends, if I do try to talk about it, they'll laugh, they'll go all red, they'll try to wow. joke about it and change the subject. We don't even talk about that. It's Guys, well, as adult men, that's a constant in at almost any workplace. Oh yeah. But and that's normalised. Yeah. That, at that age, you're just like, whoa. 
This is another interesting point that you raised <laughs> here. Is that the moment a guy loses his virginity, there's fucking fireworks going off, there's sport, there's streamers, there's fucking, you know, he's, Oh yeah, and he's, your mate, and he's the man, happen. right? Yeah. He's the man. For women, it's not the same. Oh no, it's incredibly it's, embarrassing. It's, sh it's shameful and embarrassing, and you know, especially with this whole slut culture mm. that happens in schools. You know, if somebody's had sex, they're this gross, disgusting slut, and I, I hate the word slut. Mm. I don't believe in a slut, which is funny because this is the A slut podcast. <laughs> um, but which is why I guess for me, I do believe in the word slut because as someone who okay. has been called slut and identified as slut, mm. in the sense of a slut as someone who has multiple sexual partners, mm -hmm. I think it's extremely important to reclaim that word. Yeah. So, but so it's a, not so it's not not a derogatory term. It's yeah, my slut. I like the fuck. It feels good. So what? Yeah. I mean, if, if um, men who identify as gay can use it as a compliment, why can't we? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, to use it as a compliment. Yeah. And I make sure of that as well. I, do. I, I guess that's where I was a little bit wrong just there in that I've used the word slut five many times to not believe in it, but I don't see it as a derogatory thing. Ooh. It's not a negative. And one of, the, one of the pictures that I see so often is that... Um, uh, meme or whatever you want to call it. It's um, it's no such thing as a slut. People like to fuck, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty first century. Yeah. We all like to have sex. We can yeah. talk about it now. Yeah, exactly. It's okay. Exactly. Um. So yeah, we've kind of gone through a lot of all of that stuff. There's still stuff here to talk about. We've been going for over an hour now, but that's fine. <laughs> we, we can keep going. People, yeah. people who want to listen are going to fucking listen. So we'll go on to some more stuff around you personally that mm. I think is is truly amazing about you and I've said it a number of times that you're one of my favourite people well. on, on, on <laughs> this planet because you are so genuine, you are so caring and you're so very passionate about things that you believe in which is mm. admirable because there's a lot of people and myself included in this like I'm a Greens voter but I don't get involved as much as I feel that I should when it comes to the environment and things like mm. that. Um, so that's why I find it very admirable that you do get so in-depth about these sorts of things. Um, so you are an environmental activist, very mm -hmm. much so. You are very much an animal rights activist. Yeah. Right? Um, tell me what, for lack of a better term, what got you into this? What, you know, um, sparked these sorts of things? I had a bit, a bit of a different upbringing. I was brought up by my mother alone. Mm -hmm. um, she is a hippie, so of course a lot of those environmental and animal rights things got come um, first nature to me. Mm -hmm. um, it was reinforced through activism because I was, never, I was always taught to not take anything lying down. That I can, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> even that, don't ignore. <laughs> Isn't that? I don't take it lying down. <laughs> um, so I, I, I speak up for what I believe in, and also, but if I'm wrong, then I want to know. Mm -hmm. So the louder and more vocal I can be about how I feel, the more likely I'm going to be corrected. Yeah. Um, but also, I've learnt 
that the more resistance I get and the more backlash, the more powerful my voice is as well. Yeah. So being an activist means creating areas of conflict um, in areas that need change. For example, um, when I've been volunteering for animal activist groups, what we do is we could easily go out there and be like, this is what our message, and people will be like, yeah, that makes sense and agree with us. But then that will never create a yeah. change. Have they really gone out and done something about what they're doing? Yeah. So if we go out um, with our message, but our message is very selective, for example, you know, we should stop treating animals like shit. Everyone's going to agree with that. Yeah. If we stop caging chickens and, you know, force feeding them and forcing them into breeding and putting them in horrible cruel conditions, mm -hmm. people do get upset because they're like, oh, well, this means I might not get something at some degree. Mm -hmm. What's the alternative? So that is causing conflict. Yeah, so you use, you use the um, use the sort of chickens there, the, the simple switch yeah. from buying regular eggs to free-range eggs. Yes. It could um, be something small as that, but that's helping hmm, in, in a small way. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be people spending more money and they don't like that. No. So by creating that conflict and by creating people to fight with us, the more attention we get, the more yeah. media we get, the more not, uh, information gets out mm -hmm. and that way the more motivated people are to spend that extra 2 $3 mm -hmm. in the food market. Yeah, which in a long it's not really That's that much. all that rules the world money. Mm -hmm. We as first world people with incomes, <laughs> because so much of the world is one, we have the power to change with our dollar, unfortunately, but with our dollar at all. Yeah, Being an activist is about creating conflict, about bringing attention, about getting people upset to create change. Yeah. And that's something that, uh, I mean, I've seen you in, in the news and things like that, but things like this, where it has been an uproar and it's been close to the front page and, and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. And, you know, somebody might see an article like that and go, but why is that? Yeah, the media can be our best friend and our worst enemy. Worst enemy, um, yeah. Yeah, so there was one protest in Dunedin that I wasn't involved in, but I started the same, I guess, line of protest in New Zealand mm -hmm. in Christchurch, um, where when we did it in Christchurch, it was outside the bank. The police were pretty rough with us. I think one person got a steel boot to the chest, but we had heaps of media, so they couldn't really do much. Yeah. They went really well. We did on a high note up about the south, so the bank down was great. So the same thing in Dunedin. Um, didn't get as much media. People weren't as safe. Old people were trod on. Many people were kicked. Broken wow. bones, bruises, everything. Um, they were abused because they didn't have the people watching the videos yeah. on them. They weren't kept safe. So the media in Christchurch was pretty good on our side because we had a lot of it. They put it as a good protest, everyone was okay, you know, they sort of explained what the issue was. In Dunedin they didn't, they didn't even say what they were protesting, they just said that they blockaded it and no, were no. stopping people from getting through. They didn't focus on the fact that um, the protesters were being hurt, they didn't talk about the issue at yeah. all, they didn't talk right. about what needed to be changed. Can, can we say what the issue was for this? Or uh, this was, um, well no it is, but there's, we've done it one bank after the other, yeah. uh, started with Westpac, they are funding Bathurst Mining, mm -hmm. um, moved on to ANZ, they're also using a lot of investors' money into fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. So in New Zealand there are very few banks that do not invest mm -hmm. in fossil fuels. Yeah. 
Um, I personally switch to Kiwi Bank because the one the ones that don't. So that's, I think that's why I'm with them as well. Yeah. So switching banks is extremely powerful. It doesn't cost you anything. It no. makes the world a difference where you're putting your money. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, like I said, you're an activist in, in a few different forms: environmentalist, yeah, animal rights. Is there anything else that you? Oh, uh, yeah. So being an activist, like I said, it's about um, causing conflict, create mm-hmm. change. Putting my body on the line, I do and I have done, but it's not the biggest part of being an activist. Being an mm-hmm. activist is about causing that conflict. It can be debating on Facebook. You'll yeah. notice, um, you probably notice following my Facebook, mm-hmm. that I have a few particular friends that I keep as my intentional trolls. Mm-hmm. And they know the doing as well. They intentionally question me on stuff. And not because they don't agree with me, but because they know that by having more comments on the post, it's going to be seen more by more creating more, the conflict, yeah, yeah, reaching yeah. with people. So I have intentional trolls on my Facebook friends. So it can be online, it can be signing petitions, it can be talking to people. Yeah. It's anything talking about things that are uncomfortable. But um, we, we could disagree about stuff now, and that's... That's raising awareness. Yeah, that's, that's raising awareness. Yeah, people. Exactly. exactly. So I think even though you say I'm an activist, you're an activist as well because I know you talk about feminism and issues, I know you talk about abuse and things that we need to act on. So by talking about those things, it's activism. Yeah. yeah. I, guess, I guess I don't consider myself an activist because I, I always think that I should be doing more. And like, it's, it's part of the reason that I started this podcast up because my, my big one is around sexual education and that side of things and, well, and getting these young these young men especially to know about consent properly and what enthusiastic consent is as opposed to mm. to just okay yeah although and you know that that pressuring girls into doing things that they don't want to do and the things that they say and I I still say things occasionally that I I listen back to or, or I think about it later and I'm just like oh <laughs> ah, that wasn't oh great. yeah we are but, all guilty. <laughs> Where I've come from, um, even when when we first met, I don't think I was a great person in that sense. I still thought I was quite misogynistic and quite, mm. you know, male-driven. And I, I think I've taken huge strides since then. And you would have definitely seen this. I wasn't talking about this sort of stuff two, three mm. years ago. Um, but knowledge is power. Yeah. Knowledge yeah. But like as a youngster, I was awful, awful kid when, right. when it came to this sort of stuff, you know. Um, I, I, was, I was that guy, you know, when the internet sort of first picked up, I was that guy that goes, oh, you know, send me stuff. Let's, <laughs> let's do stuff. No! But, you know, or, you know, you'd send a, a picture of your dick over or something like that, which... Which I feel like, or well, correct me if I'm wrong, but you weren't aware that every woman was getting that? No. No, I thought, you thought you were oh, I was a special one, yep. right? Um, and that's what I'd like to... Uh, my, my goal, really, through this is to get into the schools and talk to kids about this sort of, these sorts of issues. Not the hoity-toity sex ed that happens at the moment where, yeah, kind of, it's kind of important how to put a condom on, what kind of, you know, UTIs, mm. STIs, that sort of thing. But... It's not but, the basis of what's important. No, it's, and it's also, it's not going to interest kids. Hmm. It's, kids aren't going to sit there and go, oh, okay. Whereas if you ha- if you 
Well, I'd love to go into schools and talk about this sort of stuff. I feel as though parents might get up and arm and stuff about it. But if a, if a kid at high school has a question, is you know maybe it's a gay kid who's just come out of the closet or something like that, and he wants to talk about you know anal sex with another man or something like that, and he's just he's curious about it and potentially what protection measures could be used in that sense as well. You know, he may not know because it's very gender specific. Um, sexual education that's, at the moment. It's, it's very exactly. It's male, female. That's it. Mm. And the same could be said for for lesbians as well. You know, there's mm. a lot of because it's more socially acceptable. A lot of girls will fool around in high school more than what guys. Will, well, definitely, and, and they get more creative. And, and yeah, and a lot and a lot of them don't really know what they're doing. Mm. And I kind of want to be able to affect that sort of stuff as well, so they know. Though I agree with you, I personally feel like it's at school level, it should almost even be starting before that. Oh, no, um, great. Flirting 101, mm. um, sending bit pics, asking for moves, yeah. um, getting angry if someone rejecting you. See, no, All I'll, of that uh, stuff well, needs I'll, I'll, to be... I will never understand people getting angry being See, rejected. this is why I feel so strongly But I've rejected a lot of people. I have reacted extremely badly, mm-hmm. and I will put this on here and... I don't know. Hopefully one day I will find this poor man. I remember mm. his name was Sean. So the name stuck with me. I was on a bus trip. I was 18. I was drunk. I was not used to being rejected, especially sexually. Well, um, there's a reason for that. I was an 18-year-old with D-cups and size <laughs> 8 waist and, you know, I, I was a lucky teenager anyway. You're a lucky um, adult. <laughs> I am a very lucky adult. But um, this guy... I guess I tried to make not subtle moves on him and he was very mature and very classy and told me he wasn't interested, um, not because he had a girlfriend, because you don't need another partner to not be interested in yeah, someone. Exactly. He just said he wasn't, which was fine. Um, I remember I reacted extremely badly. I started trying to hit him. Luckily, drunk me, it was very easy to just grab both my wrists. Yes. Look at that. I uh, then headbutted him and he went down and he was out cold. Um, it was straight physical abuse. There was, it was the worst thing I could have possibly done or anyone could possibly do after being rejected. Not only get angry about it, but reacted violently. Yeah. And at least for me, it's not even just a physical sense, like online. Oh, yeah. In this day and age, it's such a huge the one. The most common response for a woman to be rejected, either it's online or in person, that's like Yeah, two yeah, and you're sitting there and you're just like, then why were you hitting on them in the first place if that's what you actually think of them? Yeah. Because you think it's an easy target? Fuck you. Mm. Yeah, you quite know? often they'll say they're charity for us at that stage. And, and that's, that's what I want to change. Yeah, the that's the change that I want to make. Step one, flirting. I don't flirt. How I met uh, both my partners. The first, well, the partner I lived with, I walked up to him. I introduced myself to him. At that time, I took the hint from the woman he was with that they were monogamous. So I left it. Um, later meeting with him, that was cleared up, and the problem wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, my other partner I met many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I literally just walked up to him in the bar and said, I'd like to get to know you, can I have your number? Got his number, walked away, that was it, you know, copy, yeah. copy, later on, talked about it. Yeah. I 
don't <laughs> flirt anymore. I think subtleties and stuff don't do any good. Mm. I'm a very direct person though, and I understand mm. not everyone. I'm I'm quite direct, but I prefer I love long conversations when I'm talking about somebody. Yeah. Because I need to know about them before I even think about mm. being able to. You know, go on a date with them I think like that's that. something that but comes I, from the older you get though, the more you value the person they are yeah. than the physical. Yeah. So thinking back to being a teenager, <laughs> as long as they were in my age group and relatively yeah. a four out of ten, I'd go there. Oh, I would do twos. <laughs> oh yeah. But <laughs> back, back at that point, I also thought I was God's gift. Mm. You know, back then I was very athletic. You know, I was thin, I was... Yeah. But... And, and strangely around that is I wasn't confident in myself then. Yeah, you put a lot of value on physical as well, but that's something the thought of a teenager. Only recently have I managed to stop shaving my arms. I mm. shaved my arms since the age of 13, years before I even shaved my legs, and yeah. I was embarrassed at my body hair mm. and how much body hair a woman should have. Yeah. I only stopped shaving my arms about nine months ago. It's right. taken me that long to gain confidence within myself that my physical doesn't matter. Yeah. That long. I wore makeup. Every day up until maybe I was 27-ish, mm. putting it on, you know, getting up in the middle of the night, washing my face, putting it on so it would be fresh in the morning. I have been that person. I have made all the mistakes. Mm. I have hollered and of the woman on the street so the men next to me would think I was cool and more like them. I have made all the degrading, humiliating mistakes. I feel so strongly about them because of that. Yeah. I don't want people to make my yeah. mistakes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's so important to, mm. to know that but I love myself now and you know this yeah you you know that I'm this cocky arrogant or can come across as cocky that's and arrogant through, I love you now as well conference. and that's because of who you are on the inside mm. as well and it once again comes from maturity the yeah. older you get the more you value people <laughs> um yeah but we've gone well over time at this point um we've been talking for almost an hour and a half which is Flying by. Um, so, yeah, I think this has been really, really good. Really, really interesting. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Yeah. We've gotten to talk about a lot of different things. And it's been a while since we've chatted. Yeah. One-on-one, -on -one. anyway. Uh, we had, obviously, the discussion night yes. with the poly group, but that's definitely not the same. Yeah, it's hard to get uh, people around. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, we kind of did talk to each other a lot while talking to the group during that, I think, because... We were two of the stronger personalities uh, yeah, in that group. Yeah, I struggle. Well, and you, obviously you, you do as well. I think a lot of us not to over... Yeah. Especially when you know someone, it's easy to slip back into that. Yeah. It's supposed to be great. Yeah. yeah. There's many things I need to improve on next time for that. <laughs> Look, I thought it went fantastic. Yeah, um, it did. Next time for social night. Yeah. Uh, 7th of July mm -hmm. is a Christmas midwinter holly. That's going to be fun. It's just going to be hosted in the home starting mm -hmm. afternoon. So I'm looking forward to it. Hot chocolate, board games, stupid shenanigans and costumes and the usual. Costumes, you say? It's a dog environment. Actually, before we finish off, we, we have to tell this story because it is... <laughs> Every time we're in a room together and there's somebody who hasn't heard it, we have to say it, don't we? How we met. How we met. <laughs> how, how did we meet, Becky? Ah, oh, 
I, from, from my side of it, I <laughs> was turning up with friends and a partner, like girlfriend, mm -hmm. I mentioned, um, and we were looking for this property that sort of was being held up, um, it, looked it, up to the balcony, it and was there a was pre, a... It was a pre-fetish event, so it it was a group of people getting together to then go to this... Yeah, so it was a bit thing. of a pre-party group. Yeah. Yeah. And we try to find a place, and lo and behold, a shining beacon on the balcony. <laughs> Beauty in the eyes of someone looking for a kinkster. Gorgeous man, reflecting in the sunlight, his whiteness. Whiteness, <laughs> well, yeah, very, very much, um, yeah. The mankini, and wearing, wearing the mankini with confidence I've never seen before. And, oh. Oh, it was because the day I die, that will have a place in my heart. <laughs> the house we were at was <laughs> overlooking basically just this big, empty, Space half, and there's houses all around. You've got to realise this: there's houses all around. Big balcony. And then there's, then there's just me, you know, pot belly, leaning on the balcony. I, I think I had long socks on as well. Yeah, oh, so big curly afro. Oh. Big, yeah, big curly afro. <laughs> and I remember later on, not long after you turned up, there were a couple of guys who were crossing the park. Is so there's a pub just down the way? Oh yes, there is. Cro right across the road. Yep, yeah, crossing the park, and they look up to me and go. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> and and oh. that, that was me done, I was happy. Yeah. From <laughs> that point. Oh, you, you've made me think smile a lot. I've made a lot of people cringe as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, fuck those people. Yeah. Uncomfortableness leads to change. We need yeah. more of it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, we've been at it for an hour and a half now. I think. That's probably a good spot to leave it off yeah. on, <laughs> on, on how we met. Um, so, yeah, thank, thank you very much for taking the time out. We've been trying to organise it for a little while now. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me along and having me chat. No, more than welcome, and you'll be welcome back anytime if you want to talk about anything at all. Oh, more than happy. Will do. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Bye now. Bye. Thank you very much to Becky for coming on that podcast. So, again, one of my favourite people. Really interesting chat. It was really, really good to catch up with her again. We don't catch up nearly as much as we probably should. We went over a bit of time. Sure, my dog's whining in the background. He wants to be let back in. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much. Again, if you want to get, if you want to support the podcast or get a hold of me, uh, you can do so at the ASLUP podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, or you can email through to the show if you have any questions or any suggestions anything like that at the aslut aslut podcast at gmail.com i look forward to hearing you guys thanks again for listening and thank you very much to becky for being on the podcast catch you guys later a black in my eye set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango at your command before you here i stand my heart is in my hand yeah <laughs> It's here that I must be, my heart entreats, just hear those savage beats, and go put on your cleats, and come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany, that's why I'm in such exquisite agony, my soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire, which is why I perspire when we tango. My nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love. 
every time I hear drums. the thorns underneath love sticking into your gums your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we dance to the masochism tango bash in my brain and make me scream with pain Kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell. So, darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart. Take your cigarette from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder. Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre. 